Do I walk around saying I'm broken? I'm not human. Let me play my part. Check to hate. Like, is that real? Did that happen? Like, the structure of your brain actually changes. And do you still feel that every day? And then it got time for guitars. Eating disorder, like, I didn't want to die. Tendencies. But I didn't want to live. You helpless know, little girl. You gotta go in the hospital. You feel powerless because the body has a fear reaction. The opportunity to empower. No one can take away my power. I won't take myself out. Artists that are true like that, those are the ones that tend to create change. It's not the biggest studio in the world, but we're making it work. And hey, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's the player, not always the gear, right? <laughs> Helps when you have nice gear, though. I hope so. I hope people but, like the know, sound of it. It's, um, uh, I've been listening, so I've interviewed, uh, I think, four people now. Yeah. As we're getting ready to get this thing out the door, get it out into the world and see what people think of it. Um, I'm starting to get my preferences on mics and stuff, so that's good. Yeah. That's good. So last time we talked... We, uh, one of the things you said to me that really struck me was, uh, you had, you don't have a fear of remembering what happened to you. You have more of a fear of forgetting. That was yeah. really interesting to me because you, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It was something like you don't want it to come out in other ways. Uh, well, my experience, uh, at least through either <laughs> watching media shows on, on people with trauma and, myself and just other people I've known who have gone through similar or just traumatic events is that, uh, you know, sometimes the brain tends to block things without us realizing them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, a sort of a coping mechanism, as we'll get into later. And um, I was afraid that I, I've, I can already see it coming out in, in really strange, unhealthy ways sometimes. Uh, but what I was afraid of is is forgetting and then it just starts rearing then I have to do a double, I have to double time back, meaning that not only have I have either I've chosen to shut down from it and, and forget, but now it's coming out in really unhealthy ways, so I have to go back and restart the whole process. Yeah. Uh, not that I actually gave it that much thought until about now. Um, really? Yeah, I, I was just, I kind of kept it one or the other. If I gave it too much thought, then I was afraid of, you know, sometimes my, my, I, my best decision-making in the past has shown me uh, that I don't always make the best decisions on my own. Hmm. Um, that usually comes from addiction and uh, uh, other unhealthy behaviors. Uh, and I was afraid of more stemming from forgetting right. to answer the question. Um, to, to, another way to piggyback onto that, onto my answer as well, would be, you know, I've seen enough, again, enough multi, uh, enough media programs to see the harm that can stem from forgetting. Right. Although, um, you know, I can only go so far in remembering before I get yeah. ultimately psychotic over it. Well, there's definitely such or, thing as overthinking or trauma. Or toxic. Yeah, exactly. Becoming How do toxic. You, I mean, you've got... You're coming up on 50. Yep. So by this point in your life, you kind of know what works for you and what doesn't as far as coping. Yeah, yeah. Um, Interesting. Um, 
I, it's sort of a question and almost rhetorical at the same time. Uh, I definitely at 50, I have enough years to look back and go, boy, that didn't work and that doesn't work. And if I continue to do the run down this train of thought, what do I, what outcome am I truly in? What's my intent? And then what outcome am I truly expecting? Or am I flying by the seat of my pants emotionally most of the time? And I think there's truth to some degree in all of that. Um, I, uh, I think at 50, I've had enough of the years to look back on, on the trends and patterns, but also I can see where my knee-jerk emotional reactions to new situations that I haven't really dealt, had to deal with head-on, such as um, uh, losing almost all my immediate family and it, with my mom just being the last one left and who's sick, yeah, who's doing well right now for this very moment, but and then losing best friends back to back yeah uh, uh ultimately um and then then you know and i i do realize this is everyday life uh, ultimately you know i think i have these weird ways of trying to depreciate the enormity of the situation like to minimize it kind to of to minimize it so i'm not uh victimizing myself and I do, and it became apparent to me, though, and I am kind of digressing, but it all cycles back to being turning 50, sure. that I am noticing more refined ways of becoming jealous or more refined ways of jealousy, meaning like I can see emotional reactions that I haven't dealt with from the past, yeah. but I see them as being more refined or more hidden or more insidious, actually. Insidious, maybe that's not the right term because I feel like the devil or something when I say that, <laughs> but I find it coming out. Um, I find, and it's great that I finally made it through my 40s, and I'm really happy that I have. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I stutter and, and, and get quieter when I think of the undealt, issue, undealt with yeah. behaviors, and, and I can see them even more clearly now. It doesn't mean they've depreciated in their enormity in any right. way. Well, there's like... It must be hard to think, like, where is the clarity coming from when you look at not just the passage of time, but now a couple years with sobriety. That combination, I imagine, has you looking at yourself a little more honestly? Yeah. Uh, Well, um, yes, uh, the microscope is definitely becoming, has become more powerful. And the technology in my emotional microscope has, uh, for lack of better metaphoric statements, has become a uh, higher grade, mm. no doubt. Um, on the on the flip side of it, it's um, it's also becoming clearer where some of the root issues might be stemming from, and those are the harder ones, such as ego or arrogance. Yeah. And it's interesting when, and I, I'm hoping a lot of our listeners can probably relate to the denial fact part of this, that we wear many masks. Denial wears many masks, such as when I go to work or when I go to a, a relationship with uh, a loved one or a relationship with a friend, uh, how I perceive things and how I justify my behavior. Mm-hmm. Boy, these all have, uh, and in particular the line of work that I'm in is very emotion, can be very emotional. Uh, being uh, working in a customer service restaurant business, facing people all day, facing long. people, and I can feel everything around me. And 
Um, but the denial part of it is is becomes I, I mask even the word denial with something else like just be a warrior, make it through the day. Yeah. Or you know, really, is this worth being angry or angry over? Or I get on my grateful checklist, or yeah. you know, and I I try to go through all that. the The issue is is it band aids this situation uh, emotionally for me to make it through the day, and then things start becoming more unclear. I'm using tools that I've been taught either through addiction classes, uh, uh, different programs for. You know, because I struggle with that um, uh, more than the drugs and alcohol. It's really living life, and how am I living life now mm. without the medication? So my brain has switched to other forms. And and you'd ask me, well, at fifty things are becoming more clear and more uh, uh, apparent, maybe. Um, and I'm always curious, what's my intention with the way I'm acting? Mm-hmm. And I don't like what I see a lot. I, 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 really? Yeah, I don't like what, I, what I'm seeing. I see a lot of lately, and it's, um, you know, I've been having a lot of reactions to getting older. And, and it used to be that pity party where, oh, man, I have so many issues from my past to deal with. And what's going on with this relationship with this woman? Why am I having, why am I even getting jealous about this? Why am I feeling abandonment issues coming on? You know, and and if uh, if the if our listeners are anything like me, after a while, you get a little tired of the therapeutic terms because you're like, am I a am I a? I feel like I'm not human sometimes. I don't know why that is. It's like, and I think that has a, a issue to do with insecurity and normalcy. Like I'm not normal compared to what somebody might consider that. I'm, but am I? Do I walk around saying I'm broken? Right. You know, and, and I'm going on a lot of different tangents here about turning 15 things being clear. Yeah. Um, and ultimately, I'm being as honest as I can. And that was the big part I think you made a point that you, I think you mentioned earlier is, is being really honest about what's going on with oneself. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we've gotten used to admitting it or acknowledging it to other people, but on our terms. Mm-hmm. You know, I could probably talk about some deep stuff as long as I do it in my way and on my terms. Yeah. You know, that's with my language and my way and I can, you know, um, <clears throat> and, uh, and, I, and I find myself easier to share this with, say, someone close, that's close to me such as yourself because you've experienced similar things. We've shared what other people call flaws. I don't call them flaws. Mm. We've shared... Uh, Trials and tribulations in life that have brought out the best and worst of us. And not worse doesn't mean we are bad people. Worse no, means but rock bottom, right? Rock bottom, unhealthy thoughts and behavior and feeling bad and sad. You know, those kind of thoughts. Not, you know, like uh, that we're bad people whatsoever. Yeah, you talked about like feeling inhuman or something like that. That was something that um, that Kel mentioned a lot. She had a weird relationship with that word human. She kind of associated it with like weakness, and like oh maybe you know these people do this kind of thing to little kids because there's some kind of gross human impulse to them. So she started associating food with that human concept, which to her was tied to flaw and animal instinct and cravings and like, but in a disgusting way. So I'm curious, like if you, when you said you don't always feel human when you get this, like do I have to be addicted or uh, not addicted, but 
am I married to this diagnosis for the rest of my life? At what point can I just be a person? You know, like I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but no, it feels no. like married I'm, to this diagnosis is awesome. But I'm hearing like, at what point am I just a man? Right. Going through the human experience. <laughs> exactly. And you know, an imperfect person having, having my version of a, a human experience rather than, you know, okay, this pathology tied with that trauma, tied with this fucking drug that, that owned me for this many years equals my experience now. And like, well, who am I in that whole fucking storm? I think that you're hitting upon some, some really big, like, the synopsis of all this, or what would they call it in college, the thesis statement or something. <laughs> one is, is, is what makes one, you know, a human being uh, going through the human experience. Am I married to this diagnosis? Um, I, you know, I think I've tried to, it's, that, uh, those are all great questions. I think each and every one of us that have gone through things have asked in our own way. Um, and that's, it's sort of like I'm treating it as, as a death in the family or a death of a friend where you go through the, you know, your anger, sadness, anger, and... There's bargaining, yeah, but, which I still do a lot of. And there's, I mean, uh, people talk about it with kids on the bargaining piece. They talk about like, uh, oh, since so-and-so's mother died, uh, she's handling it so well. She's on her best behavior. She got great marks in school. She never acts out and da-da-da. Well, they don't might, they might not realize like that's a part of the bargaining if I behave Right. Like I'm being, I still oh, yeah. feel like if I'm being punished, if I do this, if I use the right mics, if I do this podcast perfectly, can yeah. I just have my fucking family back? Right. Or even it's like, why would, what was wrong with me that somebody took this from me? Yeah. And, and Am I being be, punished? You, you know, and so these subliminal, so much of it. And it looks like good behavior. Yeah. You know? Yep. It or looks we're like living good up behavior. to expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or this person, like with you, Kelly chose you and you chose Kelly. So she saw something in you we may not even see in our own selves a mm. lot of times and a certain strength. Um, and, uh, and again, too, that what you just said reminds me of a statement or something I thought about a long time ago. I used to think of everything, and this was back when I was like 14 and 15, 16. I, um, I used to think, I remember thinking to myself, <clears throat> excuse me, that I've done all this work. I've done all this work. Now, for you Sagittarians out there, uh, you can probably really relate to this <laughs> egocentric statement. Um, and don't get me wrong, Sagittarius are some of the most feeling. I'm into astrology. For those out there, great sign. But we do have our fire, and it works in all kinds of weird directions. Jim Morrison. <laughs> did, you, did you know? No, I did not know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> maybe Frederick Nietzsche too. Oh, there um, you go. Oh, that's a threesome. You three. <laughs> right. I don't know. I don't know. Jim Morrison, Frederick. Um, is I'm doing all this work to get to where I am to understand psychologically what's going on. This flow chart I turned on to myself. Um, now I'm turning it and, I, and I'm looking at other people. Why can't you live up to the same? Particularly being someone who's Jewish and someone who come raised in, a, in an environment where everybody was equal. When I started seeing equal, uh, when I started seeing people hurt, uh, particularly women um, and children, I used to think to myself, "Well, wait a second, how can I be this far behind?" And I'm looking at this, and I started doing these weird comparisons. Now, remember, I'm 14, 15, and I am highly volatile at this time uh, emotionally. I'm arrogant. I am cocky. I am all those things one becomes to protect themselves. Is this after? 
Oh yeah, well, this is um, the my trauma hit uh, sexually. The sexual trauma hit at seven years old. Oh, you're a kid. Yep, yeah. I was, and I was, and how I can do the ages. I was still wearing Carter onesies when it happened. You know, so wow. I can associate the age because I'm also afraid of things being blocked out or worse, the timeline between seven and nine. Um, and uh, because I was not in that house after nine years old. And so you can picture it and everything. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. Oh, I remember everything, every word. Yeah. Uh, just about all the main stuff I remember. Um, and uh, uh, that's very clear to me. And um, I, uh, Get, talking about uh, valid, validity in life, I think is kind of what we're hitting on. It's like, where does my validity come from mm-hmm. uh, um, as a human being, as, as, as a man? Um, I was raised in a house with, 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 with a very strong lady and whose sister happened to be the first, uh, a woman's athletic director in the 60s. Um, and... Uh, coming down to feeling normal. So to, to tie back, I wanted to finish up on a point too about being 15 clear. Um, and also I used to pray to God, I go, I'll do, I'll do this if I can get this. And I used to think all these things would make me happy and like gear and girlfriend, a good looking girlfriend mm. who understood me. But the harder part is, is, is being, being really honest about why did I want that good-looking girlfriend? Why did I want that piece of gear? Why for someone I... else to see her, or for so, you? So yeah, enjoy, for someone you know? else to ju- judge me as a normal, regular human being, and that's oh, where it's all has. coming back. Look, like the status quo, and this is still true in the job world. And some of this stuff is just regular. Not that I agree with it by any means, but it is part of life. Um, uh, you know, the fact that I had that I felt f- like I was being forced into a mold. Growing up, I mean, we're going to get off into a couple different subjects here, so I'm trying to stand on the point. Is I being an only child and having the trauma happen so early, I've always had one foot stepped into reality and one foot not. I always felt like I was either in the movie or an actor, act or an extra acting in it. You know, like I can do a, I can, I can go work at, and and I went and worked at an adult entertainment facility at one time you did yeah and i want one is i was on this investigator and i justified it because i was never taught what was literally right or wrong growing up i learned through trial and error Mm. i didn't have really i mean i had good parent a good mom but up to a certain point i wasn't in the house anymore i was by myself um were you independent young yeah, uh, I try. I act as if I. Uh, I was in group homes and foster homes at a okay. young age. My mom had a. Uh, uh, mom did the best she could with the child that she had. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was way too much for her. And uh, what you were? Yeah, and at, at, at nine years old, um, the circumstances that surrounded me with my father, and uh, uh, the circumstances that surrounded my mom. Uh, being pretty much on her own to raise me, like there wasn't any real any backup. Yeah. Um, proved uh, her struggle became my struggle, um, and I think that's when the wire started to cross. And I think that's something. Ultimately, I think a lot of us who deal with trauma and ha- are still dealing with some uh, uh, sporadic behaviors. And, and things that we're not happy with. We haven't found, I'm not sure if happiness would be the word, but at least contentment. 
uh, as, um, I think the wires start to cross, especially when you're zero to five is such a formidable time to grow up. That's what cements your brain. Doesn't mean you can't, you know, uh, alter it. Yeah. But, you know, so you're saying, did I have him on my own? No, I decided that, you know, uh, I think when I was that young, I just didn't care really about life, about what happened to me. I didn't want to die. Yeah. But I didn't want to live either. You didn't have a bright future that you were like, I, I, I will be a Music a was whatever. the only thing that I had that I felt secure in. Like I had this raw talent. I, I knew I could go to whatever I wanted to and do well. But there's only thing I had to be honest about what I could do. You know, and I could I could I could make some rhythms. I I could hear things in music that I was like, Wow, is this something that they teach you or do you hear this naturally? And so I could see the rawness. It was all just raw, what people would call potential. As yeah. I raised my thumb in the air like on People <laughs> magazine, Josh has potential. <laughs> and uh, so <clears throat> but ultimately when you hear people say music saved my life, I, I, I'm not sure saving my life would have been the proper word as to give me life. Really? Yeah, I, I would. Um, uh, I think for anything saving, I'll leave that up to the spirits in my own in myself because I can't do it on my own. Um, but uh, uh, music was the conduit between feeling anything, mm. um, and I think I'm hoping that this rings resonates with the, with the listeners that. You're, you're, people who have gone through traumatic, I don't know if it affects the, how it affects their brain. I'm not talking just sexual. I'm talking just emotional, physical, sexual, uh, violent, emotional, violent, physical. Mm. Uh, you know, we could go on. My point being is it unlocks something like an empathy, like we're almost empathic. Like It opens what, up this like compassion it opens door, up, right? Which makes it harder to deal with, I think. For really? me, Lee, I can only speak personally, but I think... That uh, <clears throat> I never tried to fabricate something that wasn't there, except for the the rest of Kiss. While I was Peter Chris when I was nine years old, boy, they were I had a heavy imagination. Um, but trying to fabricate, you know, Eddie Van Halen next to me uh, was a bit harder than say uh, I would fabricate a whole life for myself that I that. I was living so I could show other people and I was not living that life. So did I have it going on? Was I independent? No, not at all. I didn't have a clue of what I was doing, but I had tenacity and I had perseverance. Yeah. But I, I had lost something at such a young age. And I think that, and now we're going to die cycle back to another point of, of remembering instead of forgetting the more that I remembered maybe is what I justified my anger. I would fuel my anger. The more I remember, the more I'd stay angry, the more I'd protect myself. This could be something, I just thought about this, and this is what's happening at 50. I'm starting to really think about these crazy justifications. Was that anger like the feeling of it um, providing an outlet or some kind of a a satisfying a craving for you because most people would think of the well not most people but you might think of the anger as like something to overcome but for you it was like a satisfying feeling it was i was already in so much pain yeah and i was already in in so much confusion um and let it be known that i think the root of all evil for humans is confusion it starts with being confused um 
And because then my defense mechanisms take over so I don't look feel silly or stupid. I'm afraid. Of, um, it was always approval-oriented. Uh, how it's like, is this going to be approved of? Um, the only person whose opinion mattered was my mom's. And um, uh, she was she was not always in a position really to give one. Um, uh, uh, to, to give one, she was just dealing with her own thing, you know, at the time. Um, and uh, she probably had some very smart, very wise things to say to me that I was not ready to listen to at that age. Um, or... I, I had less trust, trust in most role models. Now, and this is when it can become really unhealthy for trauma survivors, I think, and I because I don't find myself to be any different. So if I may, and I apologize, I'm going to speak out for more than for a few friends that I know and, and for myself. Let me just keep it to myself. Sorry, audience. But uh, hopefully you can relate to this, that I, need, I want a justification to do what I wanted to do now because I felt something had been taken from me. And you took a, such a huge, uh, such a huge part was taken. Um, how I felt about myself, it started confusion. I couldn't talk to anybody about it. I felt less than. I felt subhumanized. Um, I felt it was hard enough being Jewish in today's world, um, and that's a subject matter that doesn't relate to this. But maybe it does. I don't know. Um, it does if you want it, you know, if it yeah, goes if for it you, ties then in, it, it ties does, in. you know. Um, but and it was all these things working, I felt against me. And that's how I felt. It's against me. I took everything personal, everything personal. Like, and does it, did it turn into, I deserve this or that? Well, I created enough problems for people that, I, I, yeah, I deserve this. Or me, I, all these weird thoughts and would go through my head, but I would warrior my way through it, meaning... I'm going to do what I want, when I want, and how I want, as long as I don't physically hurt anybody. But I, I did hurt people. But you can hurt, yeah. I, oh, yeah. Were you at a point where, and I'm assuming this time period you're talking about it, this mentality that you were using? Oh, I, yeah. I started, Sounds like the mind of an addict. I started, yep. I started the using at nine years old. Um, I started using hard drugs at 12. Um, I, thought I was doing that every day, but I, I, I experimented. I, I did not inhale till I was 12. Nothing God to save prove. America. There's nothing to prove. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> hey, but it's true. It's a funny story. I, I, you know, uh, all the kids. I can even smoke a it. cigarette, right? He's like, you don't inhale. And as you know, and I learned how to inhale, and that's when I actually. But the spirit of being in the drugs. I remember specifically uh, that. I remember groups of kids, this is right around I was 10 years old. I remember looking down, seeing groups of kids getting high and, and thinking, boy, I was a just say no kid. Mom had me on the right track. Yeah. The schools had me on the right track. But there became right around seven to nine is when that kid, when I think we're all, you know, mammals. We want, want to do what we want when we want. We're kids. We'll manipulate. Well, now I'm evil. Now I'm seeing evil. I become evil. Uh, I'm, I wanted to, I think I wanted to personify, not the devil, but all the crap that I seen and, and, and digested. Uh, now I'm going to just take it out. Uh, so um, I think there are a good 40% of, and I never really thought about it till now, but it's it's been in my head in some of these processes, how I was processing things, was I became... Um, I just became, I tried to become a hardened person. 
a hardened, you know, that means I'm not, I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. I got into sales and the model for my supervisor was there's a sucker born every minute and three to get there, three to take them. So get there first. Jesus. And it tore me up. Thank God it did. I was born for love. I was born to feel things. And it shows up in my music on a limited basis, uh, however much I allow it to come through. Mm -hmm. These are the things I'm dealing with now. Anger. Just, just, it's all coming down to, you know, I know, you know, you could, and that's the hardest one. You, one can know better, but what's the intentions behind that? You know, it's like now I, uh, I was so upset about somebody not supporting the individuality, the blueprint I was born with. I don't find myself to be special or unique, but I do have my own blueprint and that blueprint got messed with. Um, and some opportunities were taken. From me and uh, the opportunity, a healthy possibility of my brain uh, of growing up, and I still feel sorry for myself about that. You know, to be honest, to some not to too many degrees, mm-hmm. not like it was when I was young. That's the hard one about being fifty. I cycle back to being fifty now. Is that um, knowing what I do now? Would I've gone back and changed a few things? Of course, of course, I would have. Um, do I regret? Yep. And am I supposed to not think that way? Yep. Because it's uh, it's it's feeling sorry for yourself. But since we're going through the chronological stuff, and I'm going to be very honest in this, and I'm being honest over the airwaves because I hope that other people are able to maybe digest this too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of the reason. It makes it a little easier is if I think there's a purpose behind it. Yeah. Um, and I think we all need a purpose, and it keeps us going. Is uh, is that uh, maybe other people relate to it, and maybe that'll even make me feel more normal than I am. Boy, we all go through this. I used to, when I was bartending in the '90s, I used to go by myself to a table and sit by myself. Eventually, people come around me and go, "Why are you sitting by yourself?" And I'm like, "I'm not by myself. I'm solo, but I'm not by myself, and I'm not alone." And they'd start talking to me, and then eventually, you know, we do shots of alcohol, which is like sodium pentothal. And I get to ask my little therapeutic questions then. And one of them was, <clears throat> did you ever stand on a corner, like a four-corner area, it's sunny out, and think there's people in the car laughing at you? You know, I used to ask people that. Like at a crosswalk? Yeah. Outside? Uh, yeah, like I'd be standing outside, and there'd be a car pull up, and they're laughing at me. And I'm feeling, like, insecure, like I once did in elementary school. I'm mean, being made fun of. So... This was in the 90s. And so I started turning the microscope. I was about 25, 26 at this time. I started turning like, okay, I wonder if other people are feeling this. And so I started being a therapist on my own terms without the education or the templates of the clinical books to fall back on. Right. I mean, I went through enough therapy when I was young. I feel, felt like, boy, I mean, <laughs> you know, I have, you know, my brain for an external hard drive had enough therapeutic terms. I think I could try to handle this on my own. And again, it was another way of trying to normalize uh, some really un- unhealthy situations. However, I did get a lot of great responses. Yeah. And one, a lot of my ninety percent time would be like, "Yeah, I felt that too. You felt that." Really? And they look at me like, "You felt that too?" And I was like, "Pro quo." I felt like, "Am I in science of the lambs here or something?" You know, <laughs> it's like uh, Clarice. I will tell you about my childhood if you tell Clarice, me about you have and you the sheep. Have you ever been to a crosswalk and all of a sudden, <laughs> Clarice? Have you ever been to a crosswalk of sheep like you did back in Virginia? 
<laughs> movie would be a lot less intense if that's all he had to ask. Have you ever felt really insecure at a crosswalk? Yeah. So, you know, I would turn these questions, but uh, I've had, and and I must make it known that there's enough, tr- uh, like, you know, losing family members and things going on now, and I'm tired. I think it's become redundant emotionally for me, where... Now it's becoming like, okay, if you want to choose to live this way or choose, both are going to be hard. Both are require work. It just seems like, you know, I mean, how much Rumi or Lao Tzu do you need to read before you just go, maybe I should become a monk. Not, you know, (laughs) metaphorically speaking, maybe I should, I need to give myself to some discipline, you know, a discipline, meaning a set of, other than the Ten Commandments. Well, you do that a little bit, right? Are you still a committed 12-stepper? I am not a committed 12-stepper anymore. I'm a committed uh, to the tools that they gave me. I am committed to that. Uh, as far as um, uh, attending meetings anymore, I am not. Um, uh, for that, Not to say that that's good. Uh, it just is what it is at this time in, in my life. Uh, I've chosen to use therapy and some books. <laughs> as a, and some books to... Uh, I, I don't sound uh, hopeful with that, but it's been, it's a little different for me to try to digest certain books that are very honest and put it right in your face and that I'm calling people mm. to say, am I acting like this? Like I've given a people a couple a couple of people a call where I'm not always happy with, with uh, not always, you know, they're, it's raw honesty. And I'm saying, listen, I'm thinking I'm acting like this behavior and I, I, I think maybe is this how it's coming out to you? And I get some feedback. It's a pretty honest person that can make that phone call. Oh, man. I, I don't know. The key word here, I think, is, and and, uh, and you, use, you use this, I think, in a lot of uh, your uh, uh, program material in terms of, like, uh, uh, the word courage. Yeah, for the our, word our courage. tagline. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And I think about that word a lot. And I watch a lot of these movies that... He had the courage, he had the courage, he had the courage, or she had the courage, she had the courage. And um, I don't always know if that's the place it's coming from, uh, or fear. Mm. I'm just, you know, self-preservation. I guess it really doesn't matter. And I know when people get into the program of of AA, and I know this is an anonymous program, so I can't really uh, talk too much in-depthly, I think. I don't really know how to talk about it. However, in the program of AA, it's, it's really taught, uh, you know, these... I forgot where I was going to go. Um, we were talking about courage. Courage. And you are talking about you call people and you read about a certain negative behavior and you ask other people, do I do that? And I was really struck by that. Right, yeah. I, I, I you know, the courage, um, I'm... Sometimes I'm at a, a bare bones necessity of like, if I sit with my own thoughts any longer, I'm just, I'm really going to screw up. I might drink. And you were asking, am I still part of the program? Uh, yes and no. Um, when thing, I, I sit in a lot of pain more than I probably should, should uh, before I make that call. And when I asked about like, are you in the program? It wasn't meant to be judgmental because I'm neutral about the twelve steps. Yeah, I'm. I'm. If it works, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're a loser that's going to drink for the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I, I. It's a great program. It's a great, a really good program. A necessity uh, for me at, when I went in. Um, I think I never thought I was strong enough on my own. Even to this day, I just found myself into a different place. Uh, However, I am isolating a lot 
and that's in some ways 50% of it's good. Mm. I throw my and 50% of it's not. So I am sitting in enough pain what they do warn about that you start building up these um eventually you're just going to drink to medicate and I've been, you know, uh attaching myself to other other uh forms of that uh, forms of medication. like I'm not sure what calling other people am I really listening mm. or am I just trying to get out of my own head is it it's self-preservation distraction can be a good thing though yeah. I mean get I kind of respect getting out of your head for a night here and there yeah I tell you if I think about <laughs> it too much Teresa it really then that's when we get problems if I start trying to dissect even that and going whoa am I gonna just Lose my mind here, you know. Right. I mean, make a choice, right. kind of thing. Call somebody up, keeps you from drinking. Good, self-preservation, selfish, whatever. It kept you from drinking that night. Then yeah. that's that's what's going to happen. Because if I start if I start pounding alcohol or start doing narcotics again, it's going to start. It's going to unlock the old behaviors, the old denials, the old things, the things I may have not always dissipated, but I pounded, I buried so far yeah. deep and covered up with so much good stuff. That am I just gonna just dig right? Go, am I gonna d- dig thinking there's there's oil or goodness there? There's gold there when there's really just you know dead bad bones underneath it all. Underneath it all, right? Get the music behind the mission. Hate becoming by Kelly Nicole on iTunes and Spotify. If you guys haven't checked out the merch table, join the movement. Buy the album. Get your Kelly Nicole band merch and donate what you can at KellyNicoleFoundation.org. Courage is strong. Amplified!